Well, praise the Lord and welcome to New Life. We're so glad that you could be with us today. New Life is located at 1021 South Center Street, and we encourage you to come and be part of what's happening here, what God is doing here in Wapiton, North Dakota. 1021 South Center Street in Wapiton. We'd love to have you come. Um, Wednesday night starts at 6. We're starting our prophetic um, summit this week, and we'll have Jonathan Kahn with us this Wednesday night. You'll not want to miss it. 6 o'clock this Wednesday, and then Sundays, of course, always start at 9 o'clock for Sunday school, 10 o'clock for church. But I'm glad you can join us today. Anyway, I am continuing on in our series as we work through um, 1 Timothy. And it was really, um, 1 Timothy, we've been learning about the whole theme of 1 Timothy has been conduct, hasn't it been? Our conduct and our conduct towards others. And today we're going to talk about the family of God. The family of God. That, this is what I love about our church. We've, we are so much like a family. My word. Um, Jeremy's not feeling well today, but he didn't want to miss being with the family. So he found himself a corner of the room and said, stay away from me. I don't want anybody to get sick, but I got to be here because I want to be with the family. And we're glad to see him. Amen? The family of God. Do you know that when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you become part of God's family? And all of a sudden you have crazy relatives? You thought you already had crazy relatives. But now you even have crazier relatives, right? And, and people who want to share their faith with, with others and tell them about Jesus. And so here we are. And up to this point, Paul has been dealing with our personal conduct. Now he turns to our conduct and how we treat each other. And so he starts off here by telling us, treat each other as family. Let's look at 1 Timothy um, chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2. It says, do not rebuke an older man. See, I, I, you never hear me rebuking it. How? Right? We call him grandpa. I tease him. You know, treat him just like a guy. Right? Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. So that's why we call him grandpa, right? He's the only grandpa in the room right now. When Alvin is here, then we have two grandpas in the room, right? Uh, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women, oh, I'm sorry, I had to use, it's in the Bible here. Older women as mothers. Aren't you glad I didn't say old lady? Um, older women as mothers. Oh, I'm getting myself in trouble. And younger women as sisters with all purity. Oh, did you see that part? With all purity. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I praise you, Lord, for your word today. I thank you, Lord, what we've been learning as we've gone through 1 Timothy, Lord. That our conduct is... One of the ways we witness to others about you, Jesus. They can tell, uh, tell we are Christians by our love. You told us that a long time ago. They would know us by our love for each other. But Lord, it's our conduct that will allow people to see you in our lives. Help us to be more like you, Jesus. And I thank you for this word today. And I thank you, Lord, for your anointing. And Lord, help me to stay behind the cross so that all they can see is you, Jesus, and hear the words I would, that you would have me to say. I praise you, Lord, for your anointing. Thank you for each one here and all those who are watching um, over in our virtual church. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Went to uh, my son's uh, football game the other day. It was okay. We enjoyed it. We, wa we enjoyed watching him make some tackles. And it was kind of a fun day. But all of a sudden, we had Prime's place picked out. 50-yard line. So we could see the whole field. 
Isn't that where we want to be, Hal? Right on the 50-yard line. You know, I paid for those seats. No, I didn't. I just brought my chair there and plopped them there. All of a sudden, and I thought this was going to be good because the people next to us, they were sitting in chairs too. Great. Until her friends came along. Blunk, 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 blunk. Hey, how you doing, friends? And she stands up, and they walk out so we can't see half the field. And one of her friends, he's as, as big and tall and round as an oak tree. Trying to watch the action. Finally, I, could, I, could, I had to stand up. And now, now this wasn't right, Hal, the way I handled it. But I, all of a sudden, my father came out of me. <laughs> my father was a great guy. But he had ways of... And people loved him even though he was blunt. I couldn't believe it. I, my father actually came out of me. I got up because I couldn't see the action. They were down by the other goal line. I just want to see if they're, you know, the, 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 they're behind. They're trying to catch up. I just want to see them score, and I can't see around the guy. And every time I get my head in a position I can see around him, he moves right into that point. Yeah, uh, Mary knows what I'm talking about. She's gone down to watch the twins in the... Vikings before, and it happens. Somebody will wear one of those big stupid hats, you know, and you just can't see around them. Why did I spend all this money on tickets when I can't see the game? I could have stayed home for this. So I got up. I walked. My wife's going, no. And I walk over in front of him and stand in front of him. I didn't have to do that, but my, I told you my father came out of me. <laughs> And then I looked at him and said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to see my kid play. And he's rooting for the other team. He's on the wrong sideline. He should have been on the other side. And my father came out of me. And, I, and Judy, I'll tell you what, I was shocked. Why do our parents sometimes come out of us? I'm just glad when your mom comes out of you because she was the sweetest thing in the whole wide world. But it, it just shocked me, and I'm going home with Lorraine, and I said, I can't believe I did that. My father came out of me. But the, the, what we're talking about here is how we treat others, how we treat each other in the church, and that our Jesus should be the one coming out of us. Right? But we do do those things. Have you, you guys never done that, right? No. Yeah, 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 you, you, you've never shocked yourself all of a sudden. I'm never going to act the way my dad is. And all of a sudden your dad comes out of you and where did that come from? I said I would never do that. And he comes out anyway, right? And, and, and we just are shocked by it. Now my father was a great guy. But he was kind of blunt like that. And I'm going, oh my word. And you know what people really appreciate? He was one of the favorite people at church. He was. Hey Irv, how you doing? Irv, come on over. Hey, come over to the house for dinner. Be blunt as you want. We don't care. I don't understand it, but that's how it was. They loved him. So, so did I. But how are we supposed to treat each other? Verse 1 and 2 talks about how are we supposed to treat older men? Right? You, you, you know the problem we're having today? We don't treat men very well. Especially certain color men. I got my dandruff up because of the news. Because they talk about everything else, but they don't talk about the epidemic that's happening among men. The epidemic that's happening among men. I said, you know what, it bothered me because these women were saying, they weren't getting paid as much as the men to do the same job, and that's wrong. And there's a law against that, right? But to be honest with you, women get paid better than men now. Did you know that? Women make more money than their husbands now. I bet you didn't know that because the media never tells you about it, right? And there's now an epidemic, especially amongst white men, White men are committing suicide at an alarming rate. 
because of hopelessness. It's happening amongst the black men too, but it's happening at a higher amount among white men because white men are being told, you're the problem. I don't know. I never owned slaves. You guys never owned slaves, did you? No. I, I, I treat everybody the way I want to be treated, right? My word. I bet we all have friends who, and we don't look at the color of their skin. They, we don't care. They're my friend. And we'll even say they're my brother from another mother. Right? And we have this nonsense, this racism that's happening in our country and around the world right now. And it's worse in England than it is here in the States. We got in the, in the church, we need to treat each other better than how the world wants to be treated. And so Paul starts out with the older men, treat them like fathers. You know what? They've been around for a while. Hal's been around for a while. You know, he's lived a long time. I mean, a long, <laughs> long, long time. You know, along the way, he's picked up some wisdom, and so we should treat him like a father. And for the younger men, we need to treat each other like brothers. Come on. Have that respect for one another. Well, you say, well, pastor, what about the women? All right, we'll talk about the women. How do you treat an older woman? Guys, make sure you don't call her an old woman. <laughs> but how are you supposed to treat an older woman? You treat her as a mother. You treat her like a mother would. And the younger women, you treat her like a sister. And that's why you can go ahead and we do this all in purity because that's why if you're treating that good-looking girl in church like a sister, you will Stay in purity. And if you two fall in love and get married, well, now you're talking about carrying that purity into your marriage. Right? Isn't that cool? But we treat each other as brothers and sisters. Why do you think for years we used to call each other brother and sister? My church in Maine, they, 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 they have a sign when you get to Maine, welcome to Maine the way life should be. They're always a decade behind, everybody. And up there in the church I pastored, when my first church, they called each other brother and sister. And I even had a family in the church. He was my associate pastor. He was older than I was. And Russell and, his, and Geraldine were a loving couple. But you go over to their house, and you would hear Geraldine say, Brother Archer! That was her last name. Brother Archer! They called each other. What is it, Sister Archer? They would call themselves brother and sister, and they were a married couple. Well, that was just mean. You know, didn't bother me none. They wanted to call themselves Brother Archer and Sister Archer. That was fine with me. You know? <clears throat> but they carried that over to that. And you know, in the old days, they did those kind of things. By the way, there's another sign when you get to Maine. Welcome to Maine, now go home. <laughs> By the way, that's not for all, everybody. That's just for the folks from Massachusetts. <laughs> and, and the funny part is, the Massa people from Massachusetts knew that was for them. <laughs> I, I, and I'll tell you why, because I lived there for four years. People from Massachusetts don't know how to drive. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, that's how, that guy that you met on the road, that's how they all drive. They don't know what side of the road to drive on. And so, hmm. well, we need to treat each other the way we would like to be treated. And then Paul gets into this long thing about widows. He doesn't really talk about the widower because a guy can kind of, because back in those days, you know, it was really a man's world. And so if you were a widower, you were still going to be able to do things for yourself. But widows had it a harder time back then. They, don't have the op they didn't have the opportunity you women have today. Um, you know, remember that advertisement, you've come a long way, baby? 
Uh, we really have come a long way um, from the, the first century. And he goes into, well, let's look here. Honor wi widows, he starts out with. Verse 3. Honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn how to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Mm. And these things command that they may be blameless. Paul breaks it down to um, these things. He breaks it down to widows who have grandchildren, children and grandchildren, widows who have no children, and then he gives a warning. So a widow who has children and grandchildren, guess what? They're supposed to be taken care of by their children and grandchildren. Right? Um, that's why um, when Hal needed to Tiny brought, her in, brought him into her home because grandpa needed to be, dad needed to be taken care of, right? So he didn't have to, ha he didn't have to live out in tent in the front yard and have the snow fall on his head. No, she brought him in. And then when um, he wanted more independency, she moved him over to the villa where now he's chased around by old women. <laughs> Oh, now you know why he uses his wheelchair over there more, because he can get away faster. <laughs> but he also talks about widows who have no children. Now those are the ones the church needs to take care of. Does that make sense? Uh, James, Jesus' brother, writes in the book of James, he says, what is pure religion taking care of orphans and widows? These are the widows that have no children or grandchildren to look after them. But he gives us a warning in verse 6 and 7, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives, and these things command that they may be blameless. Oh my word, is Paul meddling there. Isn't he? When we put that in context of the culture that we live in right now, is he not meddling in verse 6 and 7? She's living in pleasure? You know what that means. Do I need to spell it out? No. You see, I don't have to get in trouble with Facebook because your peop Christians are wise enough to understand what the writer of the Bible is saying. Right? If it's talking about she's living in pleasure, now you know what she, he's talking about, right? Really. And, 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 and trust me, if you need to come up and say, Pastor, I have no idea what in the world you were talking about, that's okay, you can talk to me later. <laughs> but for the poor, for, I, I, tr I make the fact checkers check me enough because I tell them to go get a Bible and read the Bible and check it out for themselves because that's my fact checkbook. And so I tell them all the time, but I don't want them to work that hard. Okay? But we know what that means. She's living, she's, she's giving into sinful desires. Right? Sin is sin. Right? And that's why we needed Jesus in the first place. So that we could find forgiveness. Find His grace. Forgiven for that. And be in right standing with God. That, that's the whole reason Jesus came. So that heaven could be our home. That we could, be, we could be what God created us to be. I get tired of some places just focusing on one bad sin when, it's, when all sin is like filthy rags before God. And did you know, I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this when you read your scripture, he never says sins. 
that your sins may be forgiven. No, your sin. Sin is always singular because sin, all sin, is the same with God. Don't matter if you take a piece of candy from the grocery store and you put it in your pocket and you don't pay for it, or the worst sin that you could think of going on and doing mass murder. It's all the same in God's eyes. But when you have Jesus, he washes away all that sin. And God puts all that sin in the sea of his forgiveness to remember it no more, and you don't have to worry about it. Let's keep going. Um, today's sermon is going to be more like a laundry list because that's how Paul writes this section. I said to Lorraine, my wife, my darling, beautiful, sweet wife, I told her, I said, I don't think I've ever preached these passages before because it's more of a teaching than a preaching. You know, and, and when I first started pastoring, I was more of a preacher-teacher, so I, I'm surprised I never did all that. I was more like Charles Stanley then, um, but when I moved to Minnesota, I needed to make some changes there because Minnesotans rather have a preacher than a preacher-teacher. It's uh, just how Minnesotans just like it when you preach good. You know, I, I, I love people from Minnesota. I love people from North Dakota. And so um, I'm glad that I'm, I'm right on the border here. But it says here, verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and worse than an unbeliever. The old King James says, worse than an infidel. Hmm. That means unbeliever. That's when, so now when Ahmed says, Hello, infidels! You now know what he's talking about. He's really saying, Hello, unbelievers! <clears throat> I can't help myself. I enjoy Ahmed. <laughs> Did you ever see him go over to Indonesia? Indonesia, he wasn't allowed to be on stage. Did you know that? So, when Jeff brought Ahmed out, he wasn't Ahmed anymore. He was Pierre. He had a little thin mustache. Pierre, his Ahmed's Parisian cousin. <laughs> and the crowd went nuts. The... I loved it when he was in Saudi Arabia and all those princes were on the front row. And Ahmed looked at all the princes and said, Jeff, Osama lied to me. Are those my 70 virgins? <laughs> and the whole crowd went nuts. You see, the problem is we get this idea that people are different from us. We all laugh at the same jokes. The only difference is we need to help them find Jesus. We can make common ground with people. Our missionaries that go to the Middle East are all from Latin America. You know why? Because they look like everybody over there. Our friends... Our Latin American brothers and sisters who go over and be missionaries overseas, they tell you that. We can go over there because they think we are one. And then we can tell them about Jesus and they get saved. Isn't that marvelous? We think we Americans are the only ones to be missionaries. No. It's every born-again Christian can be a missionary no matter where you live. I say that because I have to have a little fun. We have a new person who's been watching us from Kabul, Afghanistan. I will not say their name because I don't want them to get... That's kind of dangerous, so I'm not going to say their name. But we've had somebody been watching from Kabul, Afghanistan. We've got people in the Philippines and Kenya, Canada, and even Florida. That's my little joke. It's dry, I know. It's... 
But Paul's telling us, well, you must provide for your own. So when my mother got to a place, my cousin calls me up and says, your mom's not doing well. We don't know what to do with her. I said, put her on a plane and send her up here with her stuff. So she moved up here. To, we put her over a nice apartment in Breckenridge. And then we were able to take care of mom until she died. And she ended up over at the villa. And she ended over up at the memory loss unit at the villa. And she just enjoyed life being here with all of us. But the Bible said that was our duty. Right? I suppose I'm going to be here for another, at least, I'll, I'll see the 100th anniversary of our church at least. Hopefully a lot longer than that, because we're now here for Judy. I've just resigned to the, I, I, the, the bishop wanted me to move to another church in the region, and I, pray, I, I promised to pray about it, and I, and I called him up and said no. None of our former bishops would have been surprised by me saying no. But we're here. Because I don't feel like I've been released from the call for being here. But the other reason is that if I did go anywhere else, we would have to pack up Judy in the back of the U-Haul. Or at least put her rocking chair on top of the truck and she could be like Grammy, Granny Clampett, rocking all the way where we're going. And hopefully it wouldn't be in a season that we had bugs out. <laughs> I couldn't do that to her. Granny sitting in that rocking chair going across from Tennessee all the way to California. That was just crazy. Just rocking in the rocking chair. <laughs> especially with Jethro driving. <laughs> uh. But here, this is a fact for all children. Let me tell you something. That we have to take care of our parents when they get older. And it's honoring. Taking care of your parents, this is honoring your parents. But the, here's the big kicker, though. If you take care of your parents, you won't be accused of denying the faith, and, you, and even worse, you won't be accused of being an unbeliever. So I told Corey, she was concerned. I've been gone so much. I've been gone so much. Yeah, we know. Tell me about it. i got every day marked down on the calendar. I've been deducting your pay for every day. No, I have not done that to her. She still works and does and everything even when she's up at the farm. And I said, you're going to like this message because nobody can blame you for being gone because you're doing exactly what the Bible tells you you're supposed to be doing. I said, you're going to like this message. So who's the widow who needs to be numbered? Paul goes into this. Let's look at this really quick. Just like, Social Security, just like Social Security, there is a retirement age. You wondered where FDR got the idea of having a retirement age. It was right from here. And it's not the same age that we get to retire now. Our retirement for Social Security is 67. It went up from 65 to 67, and now they're proposing maybe to move it up to 70. They won't affect me, but they'll affect the youngers. What does it say here? Verse 9. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife, the wife of one man. That's really talking about one man at a time. Because she might have been widowed when she was younger, got remarried, and now she's 60 years old, and she's a widow. And she has no children or grandchildren to care for her. Okay? That's what Paul's telling you there. And so, just like back then, you had to have a retirement age. You had to be 60. And, and I see folks going, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, take care of those widows who are going through their second teenage years. No, that's what they say now. Your 60s are now your second teenage years. 
I don't I guess that's when you're spending all your children's inheritance. <laughs> Verse 10 says she's got to have a resume. She has to have a resume to be counted among the widows. Look, it says that. Wife of one man, verse 9, well reparted for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she was, has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. Does that not sound like a resume to you? did to me when I saw it. Boy, oh boy, you mean... See, and then, then they say that women don't have ministry in the church. Some guys do. They gotta be totally silent. They have nothing to do with it. Only the men. No, I just see a whole list there of things women are doing. Washing the saints' feet, taking in strangers, being hospitable, all those things. Our, you know, when Doris was alive, what was her main job here at New Life, after, especially after she gave up being treasurer? She was our hospitality person. Everybody that came in, you couldn't help but meet Doris. Everybody who came in couldn't help but get questions. You guys came in, and the first thing she would say, well, hello to you. She'd sit right down next to you and start talking with you and then ask you, what kind of car do you drive? I don't know what that ever had to do with anything, but she always wanted to know what kind of car you drove. Then she wanted to know, are you a Vikings fan? <laughs> and do you like my twins? <laughs> she was, and if you really allowed her to ask these questions, later on she would drop off um, peanut butter cookies, the greatest cookies that you ever wanted to taste, she made the best peanut butter cookies and chocolate chip cookies. But the thing that we all drooled over, and somebody told me they now they have the recipe, was her caramel rolls. I miss her caramel rolls. Oh my word, every time we would have something special in the morning, you knew those hot caramel rolls were going to show up. And God let her be with us in, into, well into her 90s. And then he chose to take her home. We couldn't blame him that he wanted somebody up in heaven making cookies for him, but we miss her. But he goes on to say, refuse the young widow. Let's read first 11 to 15, and I'm going to say something about that. But refuse the younger widow, for when they have begun to grow wanton, against Christ, they desire to marry. Having condemnation because they have cast off their faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. We understand that, right? Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage their, the household, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. Wow. Refuse the young widows. This is not meant to be mean. Paul saying this, and us looking at this, is not meant to be mean to the young widow. You know what this really is? This is showing kindness and supporting their life choices. You became a widow, and you're pretty young. Your child is only nine years old, eight years old, seven years old. I'll get it right. You're now a widow. We're going to count you amongst the widows in our church. And because we're counting you amongst the widows, you can't get married again. No, you're, you're just going to have to give your life over to piety and doing good works. What? I can see myself at 60 years old saying, forget it. My mother-in-law says, 
said to her sister, date again? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not doing that all over again. <laughs> I, I'm, a happy, I'm a happy camper just the way I am. Uh, widowhood, I miss them, but widowhood has been very, very good to me. <laughs> I can do what I want, what I want, <laughs> eat what I want, <laughs> watch what I want, <laughs> right? But Paul's saying, for the younger ones, don't count them amongst the widows. Don't do that to them. Be understanding of them. Encourage them to get married again. Let them have a life. They're, they're young. Let them get married. Take care of their house. Have more babies. Right? Enjoy their, their youth. See, this is being understanding. Uh, the, the, these people who say that Paul was so mean and the Bible is so much, uh, put women down. No, it's not. This is actually telling women, you're free. Instead of to us telling you, we men telling you what to do. No, we don't. You're free to make your own choices. If you don't ever want to get married again, that's your choice. But don't be idle. Don't be a busybody. Don't be causing trouble. But if you want to get married, we encourage you. Go ahead, get married again. So one day she shows up at church with this guy. <laughs> and her eyes are just filled with stars. <laughs> and she announces to everybody, I'm more than Twitter painted. I'm in love. <laughs> and we can see he looks at her just adoringly. And we say, wow, God has blessed her again. We can't wait to have a wedding. You see, that's actually being kind, supporting her choices. And in, case, in the case of the widow in our church who was no longer a widow, boy, God has really blessed her good. Gave her better. Not that the old one was so, just better. Right? Isn't that God? Isn't that the way he is? It is then he finishes off this section. And then, then, then we'll be able to, and next week we'll finish off chapter 5. He finishes off this section with verse 16. And he says, he goes back to what he was talking about in verse 8. If any believing man or woman has widows, see this is sons and daughters, grandchildren, has widows, let them relieve them. And do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows, those who don't have anybody to care about them. It is your duty to take care of your aged parents. Don't leave it up to the government or anybody else. They're not going to love your parent like you love them. And then take the time to make Good memories with them. I had a widow in our, my church in Salina, Kansas. Lovely woman. If you looked at her arm over here, she had a tattoo there. They were just numbers. Why? She was born into the wrong race in Germany. And as a little child, that's why it was so small, as a little child, and, some, and God preserved her. See, when you got off the train in Germany, they put you on cattle cars and send you off to Poland or one of those horrible camps in Germany. As soon as you came out, most of the children were immediately killed. If you want to be depressed, read the descriptions. They were immediately killed, sent to the showers, or put in a ditch and gunned down. Immediately. She wasn't. God preserved her. In that same concentration camp, she came to know Corrie Ten Boone and her sister. 
and they taught her what weeds that she could eat off the ground so she could survive. The girl went through the camps from a young age till older, and when the Allied forces found her, the, the Nazis were so kind, they took her and tied her by her wrists and hung her on a wall and left her there, hoping that she would die as they were trying to escape from the oncoming army. And they found her there, and she found out all her family was killed. Now, she was quite old. Brilliant woman. Written textbooks, written books, just brilliant. Living in the States, and she was in our church. And she'd go to the mission, and she was everybody's grandmother at that mission. All the, the, This mission where all these men were sent by judges to get dried out or whatever and turn their lives around. They had their choice. You either go to prison or you go to the mission. They would go to the mission. They would find Tina. And Tina would just love on them. Now, when I was in Salina, Kansas, this is over 20 years ago, people were still afraid of the AIDS virus. Oh, yeah. you know, we, we never talk about it anymore, you know. But they were still afraid. And AIDS patients would be sent home and nobody would care for them. Except, guess who would show up at their home? Little Tina. She would come, she would administer their drugs, she would clean up after them, and she would love on them and tell them about... See, for her to come, you had to listen to her tell you about her Jesus and why she had hope and how Jesus gave her hope. She, she says when she was in the concentration camp, she looked at her own people and everybody was sad and depressed and just walking around with their heads down low. She looked over at the Christians who were at the camp, Corey Ten Boone and others, and she saw their heads were raised up high. They were all smiling even though they were in the same camp going through the same things. And she said to God, she says, I want to be like those people. But she had a son over in Germany. He was a senator, of all things. She, um, because of her past life, she actually had money at one time because God was generous to her. Now, her husband divorced her because... I don't want anything to do with that Jesus. So, okay. But her son, who now has all her money, and her father's money, a senator over there, neglected his mom, wouldn't take care of her. And do you think that any of us cared that he was a mucky muck, somebody in Germany? We had no respect for that son. But you know what? The men of the church did. So when her window broke on her house, it was freezing out. <laughs> kind of like you're traveling back. It gets cold in Kansas. And we went over there and reglazed her window. We're just going... <laughs> but we couldn't imagine how cold it was inside of her little tiny house that she lived in. Like Kay. Our Kay. Lived in that little tiny house. Same kind of thing. And we reglazed her window. She thought she was a queen. She thought she was the richest person in town because we came and showed her that kind of... See, that's the widow that the church... And the Bible says her son was wrong because she should have never been a burden to the church. And I'll tell you what, she never was. I know she's in heaven today. And I can't wait to see her again. And let me tell you one more thing, grandchildren. This drives me nuts. I go online, MSN comes up, and all the headlines for the day come across, scrolls across, scrolls across. I am so sick and tired of seeing headlines saying, millennials cannot stand baby boomers. Wait a second. Millennials, you're, that's talking about their grandparents. That can't be right. This has to be a media lie. You know, fake news. Because who is grandchildren's best friends? I mean, out of the whole, it doesn't matter what you do. 
Grandma and Grandpa always has your back. Mom and Dad might get on your case, but Grandma and Grandpa, they do it differently. Y'all, Grandma will just pat you on the side of the head instead of slapping you like Mom did. <laughs> right? Your best friend is Grandma and Grandpa because they're the biggest cheerleader you have. Now, you might have some buddies, right? You, you know, you might have your girlfriends, but there's something about Grandma and Grandpa. You take your girlfriends to see Grandma and Grandpa, and they treat them like they're their own, right? They're the best. I'll tell you what. When I got, was going to marry Lorraine, if it wasn't for her grandma and it wasn't for her auntie, I don't think it would have happened. First time I, I'm being introduced to the family. You know how that goes. <coughs> this is the guy that's going to marry sweet little Lorraine. <laughs> we got to check him out. I mean, when we went up, when she took me up to the lake, Everybody was peering around the corners. What are they doing now? They don't do this to anybody else, but they did it to her and I. And the Ray's aunt came in. And she just treated me like she knew me all my life. And she was so lovely that after that, I met her aunt. That's when the Ray's mom said, okay, he can marry her. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. And then to be taken up to see Grandma. Boy, well, I'll tell you what. Immediately, she was Grandma. She just was. There's something about Grandma and Grandpa's. The grandkids, make sure if your parents aren't around anymore that you look in after your grandparents. You make sure they're okay. You make sure they're taken care of. Right? I know something happened to Lorraine and myself and uh, Lorraine's brother. There are some grandkids who would be making sure that grandma was taken care of. I know that for a fact. But it's a good thing for us to do, isn't it? And then in our community, in our neighborhood, we have a lot of grandma and grandpas in our neighborhood. This neighborhood has changed. But 20 years, 14 years ago when we moved into this neighborhood, we had a lot of grandma and grandpas who never saw their grandkids because they were so far away. Of course, our neighborhood has changed. We've gotten younger down here because the houses are more affordable. But we still have some grandma and grandpas who need Jesus. Who need somebody to say, I'm going to adopt you as a grandma. I'm going to adopt you as a grandma, a grandpa. Like we've done with Hal. Whole church has adopted him. His only grandchild here is Eve. And the whole, everybody has adopted Hal as grandpa. Right? He's going, man, oh man, if I knew I was going to have this many kids, I would have own the bakery instead of working at the bakery. <laughs> and it's not always easy when your grandchildren are halfway around the world. Thank God for FaceTime now. But this message has been about showing respect to one another and to our elders. We can still learn stuff from our elders. Hey, you want to you, you check out some fun stuff from an elder? Go ahead and listen to Reagan's speeches. Boy, are they different from the politicians today. You, you, listen, to, you listen to Reagan and you say, you, you'll say Trump who? Honest. But you know what's secret to Reagan? He became everybody's grandpa. And he talked to us all like he was our grandpa. That was his secret. 
And he was such a decent man. I wish we had more politicians like him. Pray for the president. Pray for Mr. Trump. Pray what's happening over in Israel. A lot to pray about. But treat grandma and grandpa good. Treat your parents good. Let's make sure that we're taking care of our own. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Lord, I thought this sermon was going to take a lot less time than this, but it turned out to be longer than I thought. And it just seemed like I just started preaching. Lord, I hope that's how it came across to everybody who's been listening today. Lord, we thank you for our parents. We thank you for our grandparents because without them, we wouldn't be here. And so, and so Lord, help us to make sure we're always taking care of them the way that they for years took care of us as children. We praise you and thank you that we can treat each other like family, Lord, because when you came into our heart, we became family, Lord. We are now adopted as your children, Father, with every right a child would have that was so we have the same rights that Jesus does. We thank you for that, Lord. And help us, Lord, to be busy sharing the good news that Jesus saves with others. Because, Lord, each of us here can reach different people, but not all of us can reach the same groups that one of our brothers and sisters can. We just praise you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have communion this morning. We put it off till this week. I'm going to let you folks that have been watching um, go. Um, the way you can have communion with us is come on over. Come on over. If you live in the Wapiton, Breckenridge area, the tri-state area here, it's easy to get up here from Fairmont or from just across the border in South Dakota. It's even easier to come across the border from Minnesota. We're so easy to find. Come and join us in person. And then you can do these churchy things like communion. And, and join us for fellowship meals. We're having our anniversary meal on the 22nd of the October. We would love to have you join us. We're 95 years old. Come on and join us for our anniversary meal. Um, we'll have a lot of fun. We've got a guest speaker. Um, Bishop Alan Hathaway is going to be with us, and we're going to have a great time. Former pastor of New Life. So I'm looking forward to that. But I will see you there next time.